I believe that we can heal by sharing our truths and connecting with one another. I believe that holding in our shame and living a life that isn't true to ourselves is the root cause of anxiety and depression. When we allow ourselves to truly connect with our heart and acknowledge our truth, then we are set free. Free to live a life of joy and peace, a life without guilt or shame. And so that's why I wanted to create a show called She Speaks Her Truth. Join me as I talk with other women who are stepping into their power and sharing their truth so they can be set free on a path of healing. Eight years ago, I left my marriage with three kids and two dogs. I was drowning in anxiety and depression, and I needed to find a way to heal and learn to love myself again. She Speaks Her Truth is about figuring out who you really are and what truths you need to uncover to set yourself free. This is an anonymous space for women to share their stories of pain, heartbreak, and healing. It's a place to know that you are not alone on this journey and to be inspired to connect to your heart so you can live the life you are meant to. Every week I'll be coming to you to share stories of my own and to talk with other women who will inspire you to step into your light. You are not alone. I'm here to create a container of love and connection and I want you to know that you are worthy, you are beautiful, you are stronger than you think, and you matter. My name is Jennifer Robinson. I'm so happy that you're here. Let's get started. Hi there beauties, I'm your host Jennifer Robinson and welcome to the fourth episode of She Speaks Her Truth. In today's episode, I will be talking with our special guest Lisa. She will be sharing her story with us and I'm so excited to talk with her. But I do want to remind everyone that I'm not a therapist and that the intent of the show is for my guests to speak their truth and share their story of pain and healing so that you can feel a sense of hope and less alone on your own journey. We are here to create connection and inspiration and any advice shared is from Lisa's own personal experience. But I know that you'll get so much from her story. And so without further ado, I'm truly honored to welcome Lisa to the show. Welcome, Lisa. I'm so happy to have you join me today. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I, I'm really happy to be here. I'm so excited for what you're doing and um, just sharing our hearts here. It's, I feel like it's a safe place. So thank you. You're very welcome. Um, so the listeners don't know, but you and I chatted briefly um, a week ago or so, and you shared some of your story with me and it was um, beautiful. And I wanted to um, to have you on the show because I know that your story, um, you sharing the struggles and where you are now can really help so many people. So could you tell us, um, first of all, like, uh, who you are and then, um, or what you do now or who you are and where you were years ago and what your story, where it led you to? Sure. Um, so I, you know, I'm a mom. I'm, I just turned 52 this year, um, happily married. I've got two boys that are grown and, um, you know, it's, it's been a, a really great journey, but, um, you know, I've had some struggles in my life. And so kind of 
what I've been doing for the past year and a half is really kind of part of my, the biggest part of my story so far is like my healing journey. So um, what happened was about a year and a half ago, um, I started feeling a sensation of uncomfortable, like, you know, pain in my hip and it gradually, um, it just kind of kept getting worse and worse. It was, it became like sciatica all up and down my leg. Um, I, it became the only thing I could think about. I kind of became consumed by this pain after a while, you know, kind of started gradually and just kept coming and, you know, I kept thinking it's going to go away and it didn't, it didn't. And, um, so it was very frustrating and it, it became debilitating. I, at one point, um, in my old job, I worked at a big trade show that where you had to walk, you know, miles to get to the other end of the show floor. Mm. I couldn't do it. So my, my coworkers had to, uh, get, they had to hire a, um, scooter for me to drive around. And I called it the scooter of shame because I was Aww. so embarrassed. You know, I'm, I'm a vibrant, healthy person. I love hiking, kayaking, you know, outdoor activities. I did Zumba, yoga, all that stuff. I kind of had to stop doing all that because the pain was so bad. I couldn't move. I couldn't move my body the way I wanted to. So it was very frustrating. Um, and I, you know, I was, spending hundreds of dollars on co-pays trying to fix it. Like all I wanted to do is just get rid of the pain. Like I wanted to go away and I wanted to go away now. I wanted to go back to my old pain-free self, right? Mm -hmm. But um, nothing was working. I tried acupuncture, chiropractor, uh, regular physician, um, massage, PT, you know, everything I could think of and nothing, nothing was working. So Around this time, I, I just happened to stumble across an article that kind of laid out the connection between the mind and the body and, and, the, and especially like suppressed emotions, like the emotional part or emotional stress and how that can lead to physical pain. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And it kind of, it kind of just clicked something and it clicked and made me want to look into it further. So I you know, I, I came across a Dr. Sarno, Dr. John Sarno, who kind of was the pioneer of this type of thinking. 20 years ago, he was working with patients. Um, he was in rehab, rehabilitation medicine. Um, he was a professor, I think, at New York University. But he started seeing that, you know, a lot of times his patients did not, there was no, there was no physical cause. There, there was no reason why they should be in that, in so much pain. Like, for example, um, you know, 60% of people are walking around with um, like a bulging disc or something like that. And it doesn't cause them pain. Wow. In my, yeah. In my case, it, it was, it, it ended up, that was what was causing pain. But in other words, it's just, there's, there's, there's no obvious cause sometimes. And, it, and, and so people have this pain and they, they go to all these physical solutions, but that's not really what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Sarno's um, theory, or his, what he studied was that suppressed emotions, the emotions that you try to keep down and push down and ignore and numb out, all of those things eventually have an effect on your body. They're gonna manifest in some kind of physical problem, whether it's GI, um, you know, back pain, neck pain, um, skin conditions. I mean, it can be a whole, whole host of things. Um, so his recommendation is journaling to kind of allow you to get those emotions out and process them. And interestingly enough, 
the types of people who are more prone to this kind of thing are people who are people pleasers yeah. or perfectionists. And I, you know, that, that definitely checks, you know, I check both those boxes, people who are really hard on themselves, who just always want to be like that nice person who, you know, don't want to disappoint anyone and, uh, you know, don't want to let anyone, anyone down and do, definitely don't want to show anger. Cause that's just not appropriate. You know, we, as a culture, we just don't, you know, we don't allow ourselves to express those emotions and it's just not appropriate. So, you know, it gets, it gets pushed down. And I always, I always talk about this analogy. Like if you have, if you have a beach ball and you're, you're standing in a pool up to your waist. Okay. And you have a beach ball you're holding between your knees under the water. It's taking you, it's taking so much energy to hold that beach ball under the water. Um, and that's kind of what we're doing with our emotions. We're, we're spending so much energy, try to hold them down and, and not let them come out. But what happens if you just decide to let that beach ball go, mm. it kind of pops up, it pops back down on the surface and it floats away and it's not an issue. So that's, that kind of, um, it kind of made sense to me. And so I started doing the journaling as he recommended. And there was another woman that um, was one of his patients who at 19 years old was told she had a debilitating back condition and she was never going to um, have a normal active life, that she'd never have kids. She did not accept that, you know, and she somehow became his, Dr. John Sarno's patient and she healed herself of her chronic pain. And now her mission is to help others. So that's what she's doing. She's spreading the word. And that's kind of how I found out you know, as she had, a, he, she has a series of YouTube videos that I started with. And once I made that connection, it was like, okay, this is, this is what I have to do. This is the work that I need to do. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be pretty, mm-hmm. but I'm going to commit to writing down my thoughts and my, my, I mean, when I say thoughts, like my deepest, innermost, dark, deep shit, you know, that nobody should ever see, or I just don't want to that's the work, right? That you have to be that get to healing. I would imagine you need to get to the deep, dark thoughts. Yeah, you you need to acknowledge the stuff that you've never ever told a single soul, not even your therapist. You know, if that's you know, it's just stuff that you've hidden because you just can't even face it. Um, and and little by little, you know, it 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 was a release. You know, it was like a, it's like a steam valve. You kind of let things out, and you know, so over time you know, I did start to acknowledge the pain and the anger and the fear and the shame that I'd felt over the past 50 years. Um, so I guess at this point, I should, I should go back and kind of tell you a little bit about my, my background, like my, my childhood. Mm-hmm. So, so I was, um, my parents had me when they were both 19 and they got married, you know, because my mom got pregnant, which was pretty common. And, mm-hmm. um, and they are, they are such loving parents. They are wonderful people, but both of them, you know, had issues. Um, specifically my mom, her, my, my grandfather on my mom's dad was an abusive, um, person. He was a narcissistic, alcoholic, bipolar, hot mess. You know, he, Mm -hmm. he was, he was very, very difficult to be around he made every family function tense and stressful. We couldn't, you know, I would love getting together with my other family, you know, like my cousins and my uncle for Christmas, but you know, he would, I never knew if he was going to have me in tears or have someone yelling or run out, you know, just, it was just ridiculous um, how much stress it was 
to be around him. And my mom grew up with that. And, you know, she, and she had two younger siblings that were like 10 years younger. So she was kind of like the parent, she was caught in the middle. She had to protect her, her, her brothers from, from my grandfather. He, and she, you know, my grandfather would beat my grandmother, you know, physically and just, you know, lots of abusive, traumatic situation. That's what my mom grew up with. Um, so as, you know, as she got older, as I got older, like in my thirties, um, well, what, no, when she was in her thirties, she started having a lot of health, chronic health problems. She had IBS, um, fibromyalgia, you know, all, over the years, she was diagnosed with all of these health conditions. And it's like, somehow I realized, um, that her, I started to realize when I was like in my thirties and forties, like, oh, you know, all that tra trauma that she endured, that's, that's what's causing all this. It's, it's manifested in her, in her having now all these ailments that are unexplained and she had no energy and very, very low self-esteem. And it's always just really been, I've just always been really sad that I, I think, you know, she could have been, her life could have been so much different if she had had, um, you know, loving home because she's a brilliant like creative artist and she that's her therapy um she she's a wonderful person but I, it, it hurts me, my heart to know what she went through and now that she's dealing with all of these issues so um and then you know my dad my dad again loving a loving person but he was an alcoholic um he was absent a lot when i was younger because he was working three jobs and going to night school at hopkins to try to you know provide for our family and i i give him so much credit I give my parents both so much credit they're still together through all these years and it's 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 a testament to you know their tenacity and their love mm -hmm. so um so anyway so i grew up i was an only child for 11 years and i remember as a child being very lonely and also being scared a lot, you know, because I didn't know what was going to happen. My parents had issues. They, they would fight and get angry and throw things sometimes and break things. Um, so that was very scary. And so my coping mechanism was just to make myself very small and very quiet. I was like, okay, I'm not going to I'm not going to bother anybody. I'm just going to sit here and color or draw or read my books. And that was my escape. And I'm just going to, you know, make myself so nobody can see me. I'm not going to get in anyone's way. No one can get mad at me. So that's kind of, that's kind of what, um, what my life was like as a small child. And, um, and then when I was 11, my mom got pregnant and, and my brother was born. And while that, you know, was in a way it was a joyous occasion, but as my 11 year old self, like I was not happy. Like it turned my world upside down. We had a small house and the room, we had like a little rancher, three bedroom rancher. So the one room that we all kind of hung out in, it was called the den. And when my brother was born, guess what? The den is no longer there anymore. Now, you, you know, there's no place to kind of hang out. And just, you know, it was just difficult. It was a difficult transition for me. I was embarrassed. Like my mom came to middle school, um, you know, parent day and, and she's, you know, nine months pregnant. I'm like, this feels weird. I don't like this. You know, just, I felt like everyone was looking at me like, why is your mom having a baby? You know? So just, it was all kind of that stuff, but, um, you know, and, and then the funny thing is I actually developed, um, psoriasis at age 11, mm. which is, which is a stress born, a stress related illness. And I'm like, well, that makes sense because at 11, I had this huge upheaval 
and it manifested in my body. It's so strange. We know now, right? You didn't know that no one would have known back then, but we know a lot of research now that that stress does present as physical um, illnesses. Right. So, um, so then, you know, growing up, I kind of just did my thing. I had, you know, I, I was, I was one of the good kids in high school, but I also kind of did a little partying and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I, I would say I was very lucky because I have a group of really wonderful friends that kind of got me through those years and I'm still friends with them today. I'm so blessed to have them in my life. Um, but when I was around 19, I, um, I went through a very dark depression. Um, I, I I had been living at the beach for the summer. Like we all, you know, we did that a lot because we live a couple hours from the ocean. So lived at the beach for the summer. And then I decided to stay for the fall and, and like take a class at the local college there. Um, But that, that, that fall and winter, it it got very depressing because back then, you know, it wasn't a seasonal, it was, it's only a seasonal town. It wasn't like year round. So things got very dark and bleak and like the days were gray. And I just remember just being in such a fog. I got so depressed and, um, and then the guy I was dating at the time, we, things weren't going well with our relationship. And he, um, he had to actually ended up breaking up with me on New Year's Eve. And Aww. I know, and, and I was actually home for, for, you know, Christmas break. Then I was at my, my childhood home. And um, I, I was just, again, I was in a very dark place and I, um, my parents had been invited to their good friend's house to, for a New Year's Eve party. And I, you know, they went, they took my brother and I stayed home and I decided that I was going to drink, you know, a six pack (laughs) and take a bunch of pills. And I was, you know, I decided to try to take my life. And I um, luckily did not succeed. And actually it's because of my brother that I'm alive because he, I was 19, he was eight at the time. So he had a lot of behavioral issues um, and so the plan had been for my parents to stay overnight at their friends because it was like 45 minutes away, mm-hmm. but they, um, he was behaving so badly that they decided they couldn't stay. They had to come home. And that's when they found me and got me to the hospital and, you know, uh, saved my life. And so I'm, I'm lucky to be here, you know, and there's Absolutely. a reason I'm here. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, um, so anyway, yes, I, as after I um, got out of the hospital and I kind of got my life back together, um, I was very, very fortunate um, in meeting my husband like that next year. And um, he was such, he was just such a, he's been such a positive influence in my life because um, like I didn't grow up with an outdoorsy type of family. Um, and when I met him, he got me out doing all kinds of things, hiking, kayaking, canoeing, learning about all the plants and birds and things, which I had never done before. So that opened up a whole new world. And, and to this day, like that's kind of another part of my healing journey is like connecting with nature. But um, anyhow, I, I, you know, met him and we dated for like eight years um, before we got married and we've been married now for, this is our 25th year of marriage. So I'm excited about that. But That's awesome. Yeah. But, but the thing is, okay. So the thing is that I never told him about what I had been through with that mental health crisis. I was so ashamed and I was so afraid that if he were to find out, he would run for the hills. You know, he would think less of me, you know, because he's, he's such a calm, steady, you know, 
guy that he, you know, he had no idea what it was like to feel depression. Like he, he just never dealt with that. And I was terrified that if I told him I would lose him. So, you know, for better or worse, I, I, I kept it to myself. I thought I kind of compartmentalized it as well. And I'm like that once I got in a better place, I'm like, that wasn't even me. Like I just denied it. Like that wasn't even me. That was no, that's in my past. I'm not ever going to think about that again. But guess what? You know, it didn't go away just because I said I wasn't going to think about it. And it actually weighed on me for literally for um, 30 years because I, yeah, I, um, I didn't have the courage to tell him until just, just a couple of years ago. And you know what it was? Um, it was the year there was um, Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. They, those two suicides kind of coming back to back got people talking and saying, you know, those two successful, talented people with these amazing lives felt so desperate that they took their own lives. It's just so hard to believe. And um, so that kind of came up. And then, you know, I was tempted to tell him, but I still wasn't ready. I still was holding it and um, feeling guilty and just having that weight. And then then I had a close friend of mine um, go through her own mental health crisis and I, um, you know, went to visit her at the hospital and it just kind of brought all that stuff right back into my face. I'm like, wow, here I am going to support my friend through this. And yet my own husband doesn't know what I've been through. Like that's, that's not right. And I just decided it was time. I had to share it with him and it took all of, you know, every ounce of courage just to make myself say those words. I was, I mean, I don't know why it was just, I was, it was such a deep, deep sense of shame. And when I told him, of course, he said, honey, you know, you were 19, you know, you do impulsive things when you're 19. It's, it happens. Um, And he loves me anyway. And so that was like, that was such a healing thing for me in itself. Um, But again, with, with the journaling and stuff, I didn't really, you know, I kind of got a chance to explore that on a deeper level, because it's one thing to just put that out there and say, okay, well, now he knows and it's, it's all okay. But really, there's still a whole lot of other emotions in there and feelings about your self-worth and, and just things that I needed to get out. And then the other thing I realized that was, was really part of my, my journey to, to get that stuff out was all the anger I had at my grandfather. Like, Mm. you know, I didn't, I hadn't fully acknowledged it. I mean, he, he was alive until a few years ago. And um, I think after he died, like I still had, I still had this anger, this residual like anger and like, why did you do that to our family? You know, why? No. So it, it's, it was a hell lot of heavy stuff. The other thing I didn't even tell you (laughs) along along this time, um, gosh, it's been like 15 years now. um, I got one of those calls that you never forget. Um, It was a beautiful beautiful fall day, late Labor Day weekend, kind of like, kind of like the day, like when 9-11 happened, it was kind of like that kind of day, beautiful clouds in the sky, beautiful blue sky with clouds. And um, I got a call that my brother had um, been in an accident. And it turned out that he actually, again, so my brother, he was hospitalized at age five for depression and for suicidal ideation. So he had a lot of serious issues. He's, he just always struggled all his life to, Mm -hmm. um, to 
he didn't ever had friends, you know, he just, he was, he had such issues. He was very intelligent and very caring. He had a very good heart, but he, he just couldn't function in society. And we still don't know exactly what was going on, but he, he had, you know, doctors and therapists, but just mm-hmm. never, just never could make it work. And he lived with my parents and he caused them a lot of, a lot of stress over the years. Um, he went to jail one time for like throwing a Molotov cocktail through their window. I mean, it was, it was kind of, it was a very difficult thing. Um, yeah. And it was, it was very, you know, I, my whole relationship with him was a struggle because I cared about him, but yet I was a little bit afraid. Like when my boys were little and my parents lived in Georgia with my brother, um, I, at one point I kind of refused to take them down there to visit because I never knew if he was going to be having a good day or a bad day. And I yeah. was just protecting my children. And it was, um, it was very sad for my mom and I felt terrible, but like that mother instinct, I was like, I just can't do it. I can't do yeah, it. That's an important point you bring up because um, a lot of people have family members that might have things going on with them and we love them, but we have to also protect our own, have boundaries so that we are um, taking care of ourselves as well. Cause we're not helping anybody else by putting ourselves in that situation. Um, so everyone has to kind of do their own work, right? So I can completely understand that for sure, especially when it was about your children. That must have been must have been very hard for you and hard for your mom, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so yeah. So when I got that call, I found out that actually my brother had been very agitated. This was actually right after Katrina, you know, the big storm hurricane and he he was a very sensitive person and we think that he may have been very distressed by what was going on because it was very you know it was a you hear you heard about it, it was on the news all the time and it was very stressful but anyway he was very agitated for some reason and what he ended up doing was dousing himself in gasoline mm. and coming inside the house and striking a match in front of my parents and he oh. went up in flames and they they either rushed to put a rug over him and put him into the bathtub and, and put the flames out. And it, it was, yeah, it, it, I mean, my, it's, it's just, it's unimaginable. Like I can't even imagine what my parents went through that day. And, and ever since, like, you know, so he was burned over 85% of his body. So um, he was in the burn unit in Georgia for two months Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went down there and I helped my parents kind of get through it. Um, I spent as much time as I could with them. Um, and in the end, he passed away like right before Thanksgiving in 2005. So um, he was 26 years old. And of course, you know, seeing, seeing my parents deal with that, the fallout of that, it's, it's been, it's been rough. Um, uh, but again, they, they've, they've, they've made it through and they're, 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 doing their thing there. My mom, my mom, again, has used um, art therapy <clears throat> to help and help her get through it. And, um, you know, I, I think of both of them as being very strong and, and amazing people, but, um, you yeah. know, so there, those were kind of like the major things that, you know, I would say were pretty traumatic in my life. And, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where I had to realize that if I was ever going to feel better, you know, physically, I mean, for me, it was the physical pain that got me to do this work. That's it what triggered it all, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like depression. Like, I think I had, I've kind of had low level depression at times in my life, but overall 
I feel like I have had a pretty nice life as an adult, you know, with my family, I have two wonderful boys, loving husband, everything I felt was good. Like I was like, I'm doing okay. And and even, even though there is a lot of mental illness in my family, I kind of always wondered, you know, is the other shoe going to drop? Am I going to lose it one day? Mm -hmm. You never know. But, but I just felt like I was pretty well-rounded and grounded and had great support with friends and stuff. So it just, when it came on like that, I was like, what is going on? And again, when I started reading more about the connection, I was like, wow, this really makes sense. So I did the work. Um, I, I did a lot of like the, the, the premise is to journal for like 20 minutes a day. That was, I I was going to ask you how often did you do it? And okay. So every day, every day I did. Um, The premise is you kind of make three lists. You, you list out um, events from your childhood that might've stood out as being, you know, painful or, you know, whatever that stressed you out. And then, then you make a list of like your current daily stressors. It could be your job, your family situation, your you know, whatever it is. And then you have a list of your personality traits. So again, if you're if you're um, a people pleaser, perfectionist type A who can't let things go, it's like anybody, or even if you're like really stoic and you try to hold things in all the time, mm. they're all traits that kind of contribute to this because you're you don't have an outlet. So, um, so yeah, you, you journal for 20 minutes a day and then you meditate after that to kind of soothe your nervous system. So after you kind of stir things up and when I say journaling, I'm talking about you write it down and you, you rip it up when you're done, or you delete it. If you're doing it on the computer, it's stuff that you just let it go. And then you don't want anyone to see it. It's not the kind of journal you're going to keep and look back and, Oh, here's what this day I did. You know, I went to the park or whatever. Yeah. That's really good to know because I think that um, I have talked to other people about journaling and I think that's been one of their fears, especially if you're living in um, a family environment, maybe you have a, a spouse that's controlling and you're really struggling, especially right now with COVID and people are stuck in their homes, like the rise of domestic and uh, violence for women has really gone up because they're living with abusers and not be able to get that support. But there's been fear of like, I'm going to write something down. What if they find it? What if someone sees this? So actually, that's the first time I've heard that. And I love that, that you can write it out. And I know that the whole process of that, because I journal as well, is, and I'm sure you're the same, like I just let everything out on the page. And sometimes I will go back and read it um, when I'm done and go, whoa, like that was I'm angry because I can say whatever I want about anybody because they're my thoughts, my feelings. But I guess the point is you're trying to let people know is you're releasing those emotions, right? Which is what's going to help your healing. Um, But I love the idea that you say you don't have to keep it. You can delete it. You can rip it up. I have heard of people doing burning ceremonies where they'll have once a week, they'll go and do a little burning ceremony and then burn them so they can just release that emotion and that pain. Um, I think that's a really important point that, that you brought up. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's crucial that you know that it, this is for you only, and it's only for you to process and let go of those emotions because they, they are, they are felt, even if you, even if you think that you're hiding them or numbing them out with whatever your favorite distraction is, they're there. Yeah. And they're going to, they're going to come out eventually. So I almost think of it as preventative medicine, even if you're not having pain or you know, physical pain, it's, it's preventive medicine. It, it helps you lower that stress level because all those emotions want to do is just be released. And yeah. our brain, our brains are trying to protect us when they tell us, you know, they're like, oh, that's too dark. That's scary. So there are brains try to protect us. And that's why 
you know, you'll have other issues come up because like, say you get a migraine. Um, well, what's the migraine going to make you do? It's going to make you stop and like lie down in a dark place and just close your eyes and, and rest, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's going to keep you from doing your normal things. But what's really kind of at the root of that can be the emotional baggage that you're carrying around every day that you don't realize is weighing you down so much. So, so that's kind of, that's kind of like my journey. And um, now because of all I've learned, it's my mission to help other people, other, other women, especially learn how to heal themselves. I also did a lot of the inner child meditations that really helped me a lot because I went back, I went back in time and I know we'll probably you know, talk about this later, but I, I went back in time and just, you know, envisioned myself as that young child and, you know, just let her know that it was okay. Yeah. And I, that's so wonderful. You shared all that. And um, I, I did want to make a point for listeners that are, are hearing this story. Cause I mean, my goodness, your childhood is so layered, like right back um, with uh, difficulties with your grandfather. So it really, it, it carried on to the next generation and then your parents, what they went through. And I know that I think you had mentioned before that this helps to stop a cycle with you being able to heal yourself so it doesn't go forward. But what I want people to hear is that um, the practice of journaling, like we all have inner child wounds. So um, Lisa's past and her story has a lot of trauma in it. But I want people to know that you could have a very happy childhood and not have those level of traumas, but and our and have you know parents that were wonderful. But it's important to know that everybody um, doesn't need to have a childhood like that. Everyone has some kind of wounds, inner child wounds, which then aren't processed, shows up how we are now as adults. So it's it's good to know that practice is helpful for everybody because we all do have that will repress stuff. And it could be just a simple incidence. I remember once being a teenager and um, trying to be part of this group of friends. And I was told I couldn't join because I was the fat one. And, and looking back now, I see my pictures and I was not, but that stuck with me. When just one little simple sentence, I, I had a, a fairly good upbringing and a childhood. So it can be something very simple that can carry forward with us. So I want people to know that, um, journaling is for everybody um, and and working on yourself and inner child work is for is for everybody but I am just so so thankful so grateful to you to share your story um, and I'm sure there'll be some women or men that are listening that are going to really resonate with what you said and um, you sharing what you've what you use to help you to heal is um, really, really helpful to all of us. I did want to ask you, um, could you tell us like, what are your hopes for your future going forward? Like, where do you see yourself in five years? Um, now that you said that you've been wor- working on a lot of the journaling yourself. Um, well, it kind of has led to this whole transformation for me because in the past year, I decided that I wanted to take a, a life coach course, um, really just out of interest because I wanted to learn more. Like I've been reading nothing but like self-improvement books for the past year and a half because I'm so fascinated by the way our brain works. So I just want to take all the things that I've learned and use those to help other people. I um, I also took a Reiki um Reiki course this summer. So I'm now like a Reiki level two practitioner. So I can use that healing energy mm-hmm. to help others. Um, 
I learned about EFT tapping, which is another, I, I kind of consider that a, a form of active meditation, but it kind of really helps to lower your stress and anxiety. Yes. Um, and I, I'm, I'm taking another course to become a, like a, a, a guided meditation facilitator. So those are all things that are so important to me. And I feel like they're so helpful. There's, it's so needed in this world. And, you know, it's kind of brought out this side of me. Like I never knew what my purpose was before. I never saw that I had any gifts to offer anyone as I've always been really soft-spoken, like my compassion, I'm very compassionate. I've always known that was one of my strengths, but now I'm like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of starting to accept that I'm a healer. Like I'm a, I have a healing presence. People have told me before I have a calm and soothing presence and that's just me. Like that's, I'm not, you know, I don't know how it comes out, but mm-hmm. it, it's just my personality. And, um, and I feel like I can hold space for people. So I envision myself doing, you know, coaching, whether it's one-on-one or what I really kind of have a heart for is group coaching, because um, I think getting women together in those group situations where they learn to create relationships and it's a safe space and they can bond with each other and share their struggles. That's, that's a very powerful force. You know, when women get Absolutely. together yeah, and lift each other up and support each other. It's like the most powerful force on earth, I think, because you see that you're not alone and and then other people struggle and you can learn from each other. So, um, and my dream would be um, leading retreats. You know, I can see myself leading treats in like Sedona, someplace I've always wanted to go or up in New England or at the beach in the Carolinas or something. I just, I wanna bring women together in a space where they can be, you know, can have those breakthroughs. They can, they can just feel rejuvenated. They can bond, they can laugh. They can release a lot of things, laughter, tears, let it all out and then go back home to their families and, and be rejuvenated and renewed and restored and, and whole and kind of just try to mend those broken pieces because there's so many of us out there that have those broken parts and, there's so much healing needed, especially after this crazy year that we just went through. And um, I just, I believe that's what I'm here for. You know, just like you, you're, you know, we, we have this heart to help others with our stories. And I think it's amazing what you've been doing. And um, I just, I'm glad to be part of it. You know, I want to, I want to be that light in the world with the tools that I have. So that sounds amazing. Um, I I just want to say thank you for being so giving of your time and sharing your truth. It's really been an honor to have you here. Um, can you tell people where else they could find you if they wanted to find out more about you? Do you have an Instagram account or? I do. I have um, my Instagram account is just my name. It's Lisa B. Robbins. Um, and in fact, I'll tell you a funny thing that just, I just finished up yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday was my hundredth day in a row of wearing a wool dress. Uh, yes, I was following you. <laughs> so I, I did this challenge, like I started it in January, just as kind of a distraction. And I kind of was intrigued by this idea of kind of more sustainable fashion and, and kind of being more friendly to the environment, because I, I was that person who used to go on my lunch break to the store and like go to the go to the seal rack and get a little sweater or something just to pick me up. And I have so many clothes. It's like ridiculous. And I, I just, I was like, I need to simplify things. I need to reduce my decision fatigue. So if you want to see that journey, like you can see it there, um, lisa.v.robbins. Um, but now I'm going to transition into kind of doing, doing my coaching thing and my healing and all that kind of thing. So 
you know, you can kind of be on that journey with me because I'm just starting out like you and yeah. um, doing it messy and, and seeing what comes and putting, just speaking from my heart and putting myself out there. And I, I hope that it, it brings some love and light to people. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Lisa. So I just want to let you know that I like to end each episode by having the guests choose a number between one and 52 so that I can choose a self-care card for everyone here listening and for us for the week for something to focus on. So if you could give me a number, I'm going to pull a card and read it out. I will pick 27. Okay. Let's see as I go through here. And just so everybody knows, I am using Cheryl Richardson's self-care cards right now. And uh, this is a beautiful card. This card is called Dance. And it, it says, it says, step into the light, share your gifts and talents with the world. I think this is for you, Lisa. And that all is the, perfect. Isn't that beautiful? Oh my gosh, there's a okay. song that I love. Um, it's by um, Harry Styles. Mm. And it's called it's called Step Into the Light or, or Lights Up. I think it's called Lights Up. But the, the lyrics are exactly that. Step okay. into the light. You've got to listen to it. It's so good. I will. I will. Listeners, you can check that as well. So Lisa, you can go and put on some music after we're done here. And yes, have I yourself will. a little dance party. Um, I just wanted to thank, uh, thank you to everyone for listening. And I just wanted to remind each and every one of you that you are worthy, you are beautiful, you are stronger than you think, and you matter. Thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you so much, my friends, for listening to today's podcast. I feel so honored to do this work. And I want you to know I'm here for you guys and that I'm committed to helping you on your journey, sharing pieces of myself. And I want you to know that this podcast is for me too, as I learn to love myself a little more each day. I'm really looking forward to sharing with you each week and I'll be coming to you on Sunday evenings. Oh, and one final thing I do want to tell you, I'm not only the host of the podcast, but I'm also the author of a healing journal for women and the founder of Butterfly Beauties Co., where I work with sponsors to gift the healing journals to women in shelters. So if you're looking for any more inspiration on self-love or you want to know about the healing journal, you can connect with me on my Instagram account at Butterfly Beauties Co., Thank you so much, loves, for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can hear future episodes. And I'm always looking for guests who want to share their stories or sponsors who want to give back so that together we can help each other heal and rise. Thank you for spending your time by listening. And remember, you are beautiful. You are worthy. You are stronger than you think, and you matter. Take care. Thanks for listening.